It might be a holiday, but that never stops EMU Athletics from working on, and that they certainly did. A 5 and one weekend as we welcome you into the Eastern Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Center. He's Kyler Ludlow. And, uh, Kyler, you couldn't have drawn up a better way for Eastern to close out the month of August. It was a busy, busy weekend, but Friday was just a great pomp and circumstance. The cross-country teams in action showed well where they were at. Football, of course, at home against Monmouth with a big win. Uh, then soccer really kicking off that Friday afternoon with a big win over a Power 5 conference opponent in Creighton, 2-1, to one, scoring a goal in the last minute. We get to talk with Coach Scott Hall about that a little bit. It just exciting, kind of kicked off that weekend. And then you know to go 5-1 and one, uh, over the course of the weekend, plus the cross-country showings, as good as they were, it was an exciting end to August and kickoff to the month of September. I had both calls on ESPN Plus of volleyball, and what can you say about a team winning its first home non-conference game in better than two years and also beating an opponent in Cleveland State that had gone to three straight NCAA tournaments. Uh, a stellar job by them and really a big growth for Ariel Hamby and, and a lot of different folks, but uh, great momentum for them as well. Yeah, Ariel Hamby and Alyssa LaFace both named to the Michigan Invitational All-Tournament team. They did a fantastic job and as Coach Kimmy Olson talks about in a little bit, Ariel's ability to kind of come in and provide a lift was huge in that win over a very strong Cleveland State program. We set you up. It's Chris Creighton uh, as getting ready for his team to go to Purdue. A noon kick on Saturday. You can catch that game on 89.1 WEMU. Uh, we'll talk to him. It's also a homecoming of sorts because don't forget that's where Creighton was a coach for six years. He was at Wabash College and really a special place in West Central Indiana for him. I'll spend a little time with him and then plenty of other good features as we get you set for a very busy week. Football with Purdue, volleyball, a trip to to Fort Wayne to take on Purdue Fort Wayne, and then head to William & Mary, and then lots of other action as well. Yeah, and I think the most fun part about this podcast episode is that we premiere our new segment, Peanuts Gallery, as uh, we'll talk more about it in a little while, but the student-athlete section is officially upon us, and uh, as we get going, that's going to be a very fun part of this podcast throughout the entire year. You've heard enough from us. You probably want to get to the people that actually uh, do the stuff on the field, so let's get right to it and uh, get you rolling. This is the Eastern Insider Podcast. To kick off the podcast this week, we'll talk to head volleyball coach Kimmy Olson. All right, now we're back for the second straight week with Kimmy Olson, head volleyball coach at Eastern Michigan. Coach, a two and one weekend started with Michigan on Saturday, Cleveland State Saturday night, and then Harvard yesterday. Started out a little bit slow, but turned things around really after that first set against Cleveland State. Yeah, so we knew we had a really high level of competition going into this weekend. Two typical NCAA teams, and in a third team, we knew nothing about Harvard being their first weekend. So I think the team, you know, they played a tough Michigan, top 23 in the nation, and then uh, thought we were ready to, to head up against Cleveland State, but we absolutely had a little bit of a slow start and needed to get things rolling for us. Well, latter part of that Cleveland State match, the team hits 355 in that third set, just two errors. That kind of offense was just clicking. Yeah. I mean, we were just really good. We were lower error than we've been the entire year. We had all of our uh, different attackers ready to, to get the ball, and we were in system, and, and we were a really good team when we can be in system. 
in that match, Frankie Streffling led the way, but sitting there with 11 kills was Ariel Hamby. She hit 364 uh, for that match. Only three kills against Michigan, but th- hit 300. Getting that production from the right side, Junior and Ariel, what's that adding to the team? Yeah, that's adding a whole lot of depth with Ariel's confidence. She's really come along nicely, showed that she had the ability to score with big-time hitters against Michigan, and then really was the MVP, in my opinion, against Cleveland State. I'm hitting over 350, adding five block assists in there. She was, she was an aggressive part of our offense and defense. When she had four total blocks against um, both Harvard and Michigan, and then those five, um, a great all-around weekend from her. And then against Harvard on Saturday, after a 3-1 win against Cleveland State, another 3-1 win. It starts out with another fantastic 3:48, all on top of the world, and then a little dip-off, but the rest of the way, um, you had some different players step up as Heidi Foss came off the bench. Uh, and really seeing her first extended playing time of the season. Yeah. Well, we can't forget to highlight Cassie Hout, who had an unbelievable match, led us with 23 kills, hitting 629. Cassie was a rock, but we did need to make a little bit of a change on the outside, and Heidi came in um, just a really consistent force on the outside. It's the most that she's played this whole season, but she absolutely looked like a veteran out there, came in and did her job both defensively, serve receiving it, and swinging on the outside. Well, and throughout the entire weekend, a consistent defensive presence was Alyssa LaFace, who has been that way all season long and last season as well in that libero role, uh, led the conference in digs per set over the course of the weekend, but had 37 digs, which tied a four-set record since the modern era, which is 2008 to present. Just another time, she had a record-tying performance against St. John, and then Harvard, she's able to do it again. Yeah, Alyssa's really coming into her own and and just taking hold of that libero position and just showing that she's ready to do it. Um, She started the weekend out by outdigging the um, libero from Michigan that's leading the country in digs per set and set the tone and then was consistent through uh, the Cleveland State match and then just career dug during our Harvard match and just really proved that she needed to be an all-tournament team player. Well, after another 2 and one weekend, a midweek match against Purdue-Fort Wayne, so traveling down to Indiana against a team that uh, has a lot of similar players. They recruit a lot of the same uh, level of players that we get at Eastern. Uh, what is it about this match? It, we haven't won in Fort Wayne in a very long time, since 2003 or 2005. Um, but you guys, obviously, in your first year, you you beat them uh, down at Indiana State. So what is it about this team, that Purdue-Fort Wayne, that makes them such a challenge? You know, I think they are a lot like us. They have the ability to be in system. Um, they have a spread offense. They've just got a really, a really good program going on over there. Um, I think a lot of our kids know each other, have grown up playing club against each other, and it should be a really competitive atmosphere. Um, and I think we're due for a win, but we're going to go in respecting those guys. They've had a great start, just like we have, and we're we're excited to get to play them tomorrow night. Well, five and two to start the year, and then so then after a match against Purdue Fort Wayne, hitting the road again for the William and Mary Class. The opportunity to get just another tournament under the belt against really some competition that's never been played from Eastern Michigan. What was uh, kind of the idea of going on this trip to Virginia? 
You know, scheduling is always a crazy thing. And um, in the MAC, they want us to kind of get an array of matches. And so uh, it just turns out that we're going to head to Williamsburg and we're going to play the host William and Mary and just some other, a couple other teams and hopefully just be able to get some rest, get some more experience, get some more confidence and uh, be prepared for our last weekend and then heading into MAC. Well, Coach, thanks so much and good luck this week. Thank you. Now that you've heard from Coach Olson, let's go out to the soccer pitch and talk with head coach Scott Hall. Now I sit here again with Scott Hall, week two of the Eastern Insider podcast. Since we last talked, Coach Hall, we've got a couple wins under the belt, an exciting one on Friday against a Power 5 conference opponent in Creighton, and then a a good win on the road at Oakland yesterday. Uh, Let's start with Creighton. An exciting, exciting match. Getting that goal uh, in the literally in the last minute of the competition. Yeah, I think uh, again the team keeps making strides um, against Creighton. We were looking a, a lot on the buildup. Um, I thought we did a good job. Uh, held the possession arrow, which was a big thing that we wanted to make sure we did, and we had created a lot of chances. Twenty-five chances. Uh, un- unfortunately, we, we waited, well, maybe fortunately, we waited until <laughs> the last 30 seconds to get that second one. Uh, but I thought a really good performance by our team. Well, and that goal coming in the literal last minute also happens to be a first goal of a career. Yeah, I mean, Tessa Osborne uh, got forward for the free kick, uh, kind of fo- followed around uh, uh, the ball. Lindsay, uh, we ended up playing short. Lindsay drove a ball across, and Tessa even had the, the mindset to take a touch before she placed it away uh, under pressure. It was awesome. Well, then taking that momentum into Sunday, traveling up to Oakland, kind of an in-state rivalry-type game, and scoring basically right away. It was within the first five minutes. Sabrina McNeil scores, and you score right away, and then it's a, a very tight match the rest of the way. It was a dogfight, yeah. So uh, like the MAC, uh, we get into a game where, uh, again, it's a Sunday game. Everyone's tired. They're beat up. Both teams, Oakland had a, a, a tough game with Western. We brought some energy. We, we brought some energy. It's something that as a team we talked about, especially on the road, uh, because we've had our struggles all last year. I mean, we, we won one road game. So I think that uh, was kind of a an idea we had in our head that we had to change some things so again they brought good energy we got the early goal and then after the early goal I thought we kind of our movement slowed down a little bit didn't really think about it much until now as we we kind of hit how hot it's been outside well and how was that heat just a factor as the calendar turns to September uh, it felt more like a July day out there with the sun and the humidity level so high yeah, it seems like we the Sunday games have all the last three Sunday games have all been just a terrible, humid, humid, hot day. I'm playing at one o'clock. Um, I have to give credit again to Sean, our strength coach, for doing the work he did in the summer. I, I don't think it bothered the kids as much uh, throughout the game at Oakland until after, as we finished. Uh, then everyone was ready for that cold shower and food. And um, even though it's a short bus ride back from Oakland, we had a lot of kids sleeping on the bus. Uh, so I think it took a lot, a lot more out of them that, than what we expected. Well, it was a different person in between the pipes to start the game yesterday. Tell us about Mabel and giving her that opportunity to get in. Well, Mabel, I mean, Mabel's done a lot of work. Um, I mean, she 
again came in and and beat the beep test which for a field player is pretty amazing for a goalkeeper i mean she has done a huge turnaround uh, from last year where she struggled to even kind of pass the fitness test so she's really put the commitment in um, we felt like it's kind of been building uh, there's a good competition between her and Kaylin um, and again it was time where we just you know thought hey we got to give her we, we got to give her the payoff for the work that she's put in the good sessions she's been having I think it made it a little bit sweeter too both of them getting time uh, you know 45 minutes each getting the shutout I think that was kind of a special moment for the two of them because they work so hard together. Um, so that was kind of a nice thing that we got out of the Oakland game, both of them getting some time, both of them getting the, the first shutout we've had so far this year. When Sabrina scored the goal yesterday, had been playing, has been playing extremely well, uh, setting up a lot of teammates. We've been talking about maybe being able to break the assist record because she's been playing so well in that fact, and then yesterday finds the net. Yeah, I, th- I think Sabrina, again, I, I still don't think she's at full power. You know, coming back from that ACL, she, she seems to be getting better each week. So we want to keep helping her build on that. You know, going through the film, we're able to give her some things that she can see. Uh, the hard part for her is, is a lot of teams are kind of queuing in on her. And um, we had some trouble in Oakland holding and impeding her a little bit on her runs. I mean, she's so explosive, especially when she gets you around the corner. Uh, but, I mean, she is a... If you come to see anything, she's she's the one to see. She's definitely a fun one to watch, getting around the corners on the left-hand side. Now only one match this week on Sunday against uh, Illinois Chicago. And how does that change how you guys approach the week, just knowing you don't have a match on Friday or or Thursday, that you have a little bit extra time to prepare for that? Well, I think we're going to try to approach the week the same as we always do. And again, typically we play a Friday or a Thursday and then a Sunday. So we'll we'll still have a really hard training session on uh, that Thursday or the Friday with a recovery on Saturday to, again, to be ready for Sunday. Just so we're kind of keeping their their mindset the same as we, you know, we're getting closer to the max season. You want to keep them on schedule as much as possible. Starting class this week. That throws another little curveball into everything. So all the little things that we've been able to get done in between the sessions, now that's class time and it's and the focus really has to be sharp and clean, especially for practice. So we have to do a better job with as a coaching staff, just making sure we we're super efficient within our training sessions and keeping them on track so they can get to class and get all the things done they need to get done. Wonderful. Well, Coach, thanks for your time. Good luck on Sunday. We'll see you out at Sakluna. Thank you so much. Have a great one. That was Scott Hall, the head women's soccer coach at Eastern Michigan. And now to introduce a new segment for the Eastern Insider podcast, I'm sitting down with Nicole Remedios, better known as Peanut. And uh, we're going to start this week interviewing student athletes from Peanut called the Peanut Gallery. And uh, Peanut, on the soccer team, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a junior, now going to be a redshirt sophomore. Had a little injury first game back, but it's okay. Um, Today, I'm just going to interview my fellow woman soccer player. She's joining the gallery today. What's your name? Hi, I'm Mabel Dunn. I'm a junior on the soccer team. Just going to ask you a couple questions about yourself. What's your major coming into Eastern? I'm a double major in physical education and French teaching. Can you give us a little French? Bonjour, je m'appelle Mabel. Um, Where are you from, Mabel? Uh, I'm from Oakville, Ontario in Canada. What made you come to Eastern? 
Uh, when I got recruited by Scott, I loved the campus. It was beautiful. Uh, the people that I met were really awesome on the team, got a good atmosphere, and coming into the teaching program, it was rated really high, so academically, very good school. Nice, nice. And what position are you? I'm a goalkeeper. How'd you become a goalie? Um, when I was about 12 or 13, my name got pulled out of a hat at a tournament. I was playing striker my whole life. I loved scoring goals. So they threw me in net and I did well. So they kept me in that position and stuck there the rest of the time. With your height, I think that was a very good decision. <laughs> New to Ipsy, what's your favorite go-to spot on like a Sunday or any day of the week, really? I love to go study at Cultivate Coffee House. It's awesome in there. For someone who's never been there, what's something I should order? Um, I really like the tea. I drink a lot of tea, but they have really, really good coffee there, so. Nice, nice. Last question to end it off here. What's your favorite thing about Eastern Michigan? I'd have to say the people. The people here are really nice, um, really good, outgoing people. Also, uh, me and Marissa started a book club, so if anyone wants to join, hit me up uh, at MabelDunn98. <laughs> Thanks again, Mabel, for joining us on our first edition of the Peanut Gallery. I'm Nicole Remedios, and you're listening to Eastern's Insider Podcast. Interesting segment on the Peanuts Gallery, and hopefully more and more of that to come as you can start to get interactive with that. Find out more as we teach you how to vote for some people coming up very soon that you want to hear next. As we turn our attention now to fifth-year Eastern Michigan head football coach Chris Creighton, he gets ready to return and battle Purdue this weekend. Here's my segment with him. Game one in the books for Eastern Michigan, and it was a victory. The Eagles roll to a 51-17 win over Monmouth in the season opener as head coach Chris Creighton and his crew pile up 462 yards of total offense, 302 yards via the air and found a lot of different ways to get guys involved and really a, a new look Eagle offense found its way to start clicking early on uh, as you built a nice halftime lead and then added to it. But uh, coach, you look back at game number one and lots of good things to build on, but as a coach, you're always still looking for more. No doubt. You know, we started the season off with a kick that went out of bounds, <laughs> you know, with a, with a penalty, um, you know, and, you know, that allowed just even after one first down for them to have good field position and then put us back on our five-yard line. And offensively, we responded, you know, with a 95-yard drive, but that took half the first quarter, um, you know. So had seven penalties, you know, which, again, you, you, you don't want any, but I've always believed that, you know, an average of five and 50 yards is, is still going to be championship football. Um, and then, uh, you know, I've talked about it a couple times, but the – the turnovers and the takeaways. We we didn't turn the ball over. We put the ball, you know, on the ground a couple times with the center quarterback exchange, um, and then uh, you know we did have the strip sack uh, fumble, but didn't recover it. Um, you know, to go along with Kyle's great interception. So um, need a little bit more production uh, in that way. Um, but so th there's plenty to work on. You know, we want to run the ball better than we did. Felt as though our passing efficiency was was outstanding, um, you know. And then defensively, feels that we played a lot of good football and played hard. A um, little bit of a bad taste in our mouth, just 
some of the explosives they got there, you know, towards the end of the game, um, you know, prevented it from being what it what it could have been. You look at it, 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 you mentioned the opening drive, and we'll start with that one. It was Tyler Wiegers completing a 16-yard pass to Blake Bantam uh, for the touchdown at the 647 mark of the first half to give you the six. Uh, the seven nothing lead, but you look at a ninety five play drive as you you mentioned uh, surpassed the length of any drive all of last season and the fifteen play so also uh, tied the most of last season. To have that on the first series really shows how much these guys worked to to develop that cohesiveness in the very first play uh, series to be that good. Well, you know when you when you watch the film, there <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't perfect. Um, but, you know, our guys, you know, did make plays and, and did execute. You know, obviously it was a huge third and 11 conversion, um, you know, the fade ball to, to Dylan Drummond. Um, and, uh, you know, Ian had to make a, a corner miss on just the very first play of the game um, and made it, made it a positive game. But, um, you know, we feel, we feel good. We got a long way to go. But, um, you know, again, we had – some graduation that people have talked about, quarterback and receiver, and, you know, feels though that, uh, you know, we're going to be competitive in, in those two spots. And to be able to rely on our very experienced senior-laden offensive line and then with our, you know, our whole running back crew back, um, you know, we've got a, got a chance to um, – to be better than we were offensively. I know it was it was kept pretty quiet right until the opening moments that uh, Uyghurs was going to earn the start, but both quarterbacks, he Tyler Uyghurs and Mike Glass played. Uh, you look at it that is that a decision based on feels when you're going to put them in games, or is it more strategic plans of we're going to give these guys try to get them X amount of snaps? Yeah, no this this last week, you know, it was we knew that we were um, going to play them both. Um, we knew that we were going to give uh, Jars a couple, um, couple snaps, but we didn't want to in any way kind of handicap ourselves. It was not a, a try to make people feel good. It was we're going to go win this football game. Both of you guys are going to play. We don't know when and for how much. Um, you know, we're going to let that develop and take care of itself. And you know, I think that's that's how we're going to continue. Um, you know, we think that they're they have a lot of similarities, really, but they're also they have some some uh, some different strengths um, and uh, you know our our viewpoint right now is that they they both make us better and and so we want to capitalize on that another guy that also got to to see first action uh, you mentioned him briefly was Chad Ryland and he adds uh, six PAT is made uh, a bobbled snap on one of them may have had the chance for a school record, but and then adds a 34-yard field goal. He's the first, or really, he's only the second freshman in Eastern Michigan history with that many in the debut. But a really good performance, other than maybe that that one missed uh, hold for him. Yeah, well, he didn't even attempt that kick. That was a botched snap and hold. Um, so he was he was spot on all day, and uh, he has been, you know, throughout camp. You know, we were excited about him in the recruiting process for sure, and. Um, you know, we had a returning all Mac, you know, kicker back in in uh, Polly Fricano, and um, but Chad just from the get go, you know, it was obvious that he came to compete, and he has just consistently been really good, and you know, it was really no different in the opening game. Defensively, uh, you have right before the the first half intermission, Kyle Rockwall uh, is ejected for a targeting penalty. 
uh, he was having a, a solid performance. You look at it, four tackles, had a pick. Uh, but then you have to shuffle the deck a little bit because he's out and, and you're already playing a little short. And, and the linebacker position with Kobe Beltram comes in. Uh, most tackles in a debut since great eBay did so back in 2013. But a, a good performance out of your junior college linebacker. No, no question. Um, you know, we were uh, excited about getting Kobe. He and both Tyrone Neal joined us in January at the inside linebacker spot. And, um, you know, Kobe um, is cerebral. Um, and, um, you know, I think he really meshes well with, with Coach Nethery in terms of what the things that he was talking about at the press conference today um, and has absorbed, you know, our, our defense and what he's supposed to do. And, um, you know, he has not been a playmaker per se, uh, in, you know, in camp. Uh, but I'll tell you, he, um, he really showed up, you know, on Friday night. And uh, it, it's a good thing. And we, we, we feel really good about the depth of our linebacker position and have multiple, multiple guys that we feel good about playing. And he's one of them. Eastern Insider Podcast. We're joined alongside head coach Chris Creighton as we now get you set for the Eagles to make the trip to West Lafayette, Indiana to take on the Purdue Boilermakers on Saturday afternoon, a 12-01 kick. It'll be the third all-time meeting between the Eagles and Boilermakers, the last time coming in 2012, uh, but an opportunity to go on the road for the first time and really face uh, an environment in Purdue that uh, last year they were very good offensively, uh, didn't quite have the offense fully clicking what they want to in, in game one, but uh, a really good Boilermaker club that is going to be talented in Big Ten play. No question. You know, they're, uh, they're an excellent football team, you know, all the way around. Um, you know, our guys got to see them just on TV, some on Thursday night when we were at the hotel and um, you know, offense gets a, a lot of the accolades and whatnot, but when you talk to people and study them, you know, it was their defense really that, uh, um, you know, allowed for them to do what they did this, this last year. And obviously the whole program being new is just, um, you know, it's got a stamp mark of excellence on it. Uh, but then when you watch the game, you know, on, on Thursday night, um, they're they're very very potent offensively and then defensively. I mean they shut Northwestern down and and really gave themselves an opportunity to come back and and win that game. Um, you know I I feel as though um, you know they were probably the better team and and didn't win and and those days are are really hard and so you know we know that we're going to get a a focused. Um, <laughs> and and ready to go, you know, unit on Saturday. And, of course, wouldn't have it any other way. I just uh, – we've got, you know, deep respect for uh, for their program and, and how good they are. How difficult is it? I know you didn't have to go through, but opening with a conference opponent week one when they know so much more about you because you're consistently used to playing them than, say, a non-conference opponent. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. I've done that before, and, and it's uh, – it is different. I mean, you just there's always a lot at stake. But when you're in the very first game and you don't, you know, you don't get to scrimmage an outside opponent, you know, for that game, you know, depending on what their goals are, if it's to win, you know, their side of the Big Ten, win the Big Ten, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, that game counts. And obviously, is just a, uh, it, it, it's a huge deal. So every game is, but uh, you know, it's pretty rare that you open up with a 
with a conference game. For you, it'll be an opportunity to go back to an area that you're well-versed in. Of course, the head coach at Wabash at one point, not too far away uh, from West Lafayette, but a special area that you were able, and Coach Nethery as well, to do some really great things, win some, some conference titles, go to some playoffs, and uh, an area that means a lot to you and your family, I know. No doubt. Yeah, uh, Coach Needham actually is from West Lafayette, um, you know, and then uh, – the Netheries, you know, were there for all those seven years, and um, all three of our kids, you know, were born um, in Crawfordsville in Indiana. And my wife and I got married just six months after I got the, uh, to Crawfordsville. Um, you know, just an incredible seven years uh, of our life and deep friendship still. Um, now, it's, it was red and white, and uh, the black and gold wasn't at Purdue, but the black and gold was uh, from a town south of Crawfordsville. And... Um, a heated, passionate rivalry. And uh, so be going back to West Central Indiana and playing black and old gold, um, I'm going to have some uh, <laughs> um, some goosebumps at some point, I promise you that. Yeah, I can say, the, take on, uh, when you mentioned that, DePaul, of course, your longtime rival was, uh, but you have a guy that on your staff, as you mentioned, uh, Coach Needham, wore that other opposing color. So, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see how much... Uh, you, you hold out for the, the the old gold and black, right? That's right. And, yeah, Coach Needham actually coached with us at Wabash for a time, too. So there's three of us that are, you know, going back to an area we're very familiar with. And um, and then the offensive coordinator um, for Purdue, Jamarcus Shepard, uh, I recruited to Wabash, and he chose DePaul. And uh, so uh, we still shake hands and, and do the, the man hug thing. But uh, – um, I'm always crossing a finger, and I think he probably is too. Your first road venture of the year always means uh, a new learning curve as well for people getting used to systems, how they go on the road, do stuff differently. But it's also a chance to go into the Big Ten venue, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about the last time you walked into a place uh, that uh, wears Big Ten pride, and that was Rutgers last year in Piscataway, uh, ending what was a 0-for-58 journey against Power 5 opponents. Not quite the same situation this year that you're walking into with, uh, with Purdue, but still a, a chance to, to make some headway around the country, uh, seeing that other Mac brethren have been able to, to continue to win and, and make that. It would be a nice way to help uh, carry the flag, as they say, around the conference uh, for this uh, if you're able to go into Purdue. Well, I mean, we're, we're going into Purdue. We're going to compete our butts off. Um, we're, we're playing, you know, uh, a great team and so you know it's going to be a good football game and you know we just we got to continue to get better every week and uh, this is an opportunity that we're that we're super excited about um, you know I, I believe in our team I think we have a chance to to grow into being a, a really good football team and, and we've got to take huge steps this week. Coach, best of luck in West Lafayette. We'll have uh, complete coverage on emueagles.com. We'll also have the game on 89.1 WEMU beginning at noon. So we appreciate your time as always, Coach. Thanks. Go Eagles. Kyler and I return after a quick break as the Eastern Insider rolls on. 
Another solid uh, time here on the Eastern Insider Podcast. Uh, it's been a fun one, Kyler. Week two in the books. Uh, as we said, it might be a holiday, but doesn't mean that things are any slower as uh, really we've jammed a lot of things in a quick period of time. Yeah, it's been a lot of work and still a lot more on the docket. As we talked about this busy upcoming schedule with the football team traveling to Purdue, volleyball with four matches in this next week, one midweek match at Purdue-Fort Wayne, and then heading down to William & Mary College to take part in the tournament there. Well, they, they will play William & Mary, Savannah State, and Norfolk State. As always, you can find more about EMU Athletics on our official website, emueagles.com, and get ready for a all-new look for emueagles.com, debuting very shortly. And always, as always, you can get your tickets by calling the EMU Ticket Office at 734-487-3669 to purchase your seats to the game. For Kyler Ludlow, I'm Greg Steiner saying thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. <laughs>